and it's, it's good to be together this morning. Uh, we are in week two of our series, How to Neighbor, and, and when, when Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? Here's what he said, Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 37. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, there's a really good chance that you've heard that before or read that on your own before or or something. But I want to think about verse 40 for just a second. The, The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You see, here's what I think Jesus was pointing out in that verse. I think he's saying that if you keep these two commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, that you won't actually have to worry about the rest of the law and the demands of the prophets. I mean, think about some of the things in the Old Testament, specifically the Ten Commandments. If you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then you'll have no other God before the one true God. If you you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you won't take his name in vain. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you won't build any idols. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't steal from them or lie to them or covet anything they have or kill them for that matter. You understand what I'm saying? Every law, every other law and demand of the prophets falls in line behind one of these commandments. So if you can get these two down, you're doing pretty good. The problem is a lot of us struggle with getting these down. And really, that's part of why we're walking through this series right now, How to Neighbor, because a lot of us struggle to love our neighbor as ourselves. And while we're not necessarily talking directly about your neighbor as in the person who lives next to you, um, we are talking about them as well. But we're talking about anybody that you encounter in this life. God calls you and me to love them as ourselves, to show them the kind of love that we would want in return, to love them like God loves them. And, and some people, the truth is, they make it really easy. <laughs> some people are super easy to love like that. Some people make it difficult, right? Don't point fingers. That would not be very nice, um, especially if you point at the stage. Um, but the truth is, there is no distinction here. It doesn't say love your neighbor who is nice to you as yourself. It doesn't say love your neighbor who is easy to love as yourself. It just says love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what we're called to. Now, last Sunday, we kicked off the fall and we kicked off our series. And I'll tell you what, if, if, you, weren't, if you weren't around for the, the services and the picnic afterwards, we missed you. You missed a good time. Um, we had fun. We ate plenty. You people bring a lot of food when we do stuff like that. And it's like overwhelming. That dessert table, man, that was something. Um, and guess who cleans up the leftovers? I'm just kidding. But we kicked off the series and, and Larry shared with us about loving people who are different than us, specifically about racism. But today, as you saw from the video and as you see in your bulletin, we're going to talk about kids. And I know that's like a weird transition. Last week, racism. This week, kids. Makes a ton of sense. But kids are awesome. I have four myself, and they are exhausting and exasperating and sometimes, honestly, annoying, and they're not in here, so I can say that. And they need stuff all the time, and they eat a lot of food. Like, Jackson is six I don't want to know how much food we're going to need when he's a teenager. We'll be looking for a second refrigerator. They take up space in my bed at times when it's inconvenient, and they steal my spot on the couch, and they eat all the ice cream, but I wouldn't trade them for the world. But I don't want to talk about my kids today. As much as I want to talk about kids, 
who maybe aren't as blessed as mine and, and as yours, if you're blessed with children. And so if you saw in the front of the bulletin, today's message is titled Orphans Embrace. I want to shock you with some statistics today. This should shock you. It should at least um, bother you a little bit. These statistics should be accurate within the last couple of years. Some of these are hard to quantify, um, so I tried to get as accurate as possible within the last few years. Um, at any given time, there are roughly 400,000 kids in the U.S. foster care system. At any given, so, so at this moment, there's around 400,000 kids actively in the U.S. foster care system. Um, in 2015, that's the, the most recent I could find that was more accurate, 670,000 different kids in that year spent at least some time in foster care. Each year, approximately 50,000 foster kids are adopted. 400,000. Now, now understand, I, I make this clear, not every kid who's in the foster system is eligible for adoption or seeking adoption. Um, a, a significant number of those, the hope is that they are returned to their family, that they, they're reunited with their family. So understand that this isn't, it's not as, as different as you think. Um, but the average age of a waiting child who is waiting for adoption is 7.7. You think about a seven-year-old without a family, and that, that's got to break your heart a little bit. Now, if you bring this down to Virginia, uh, Virginia alone, there are approximately 5,000 kids in foster care in the state of Virginia. And more than 1,700 of those have the goal of adoption. Um, now, if you want to go worldwide, those statistics are a little, little harder to get a hold of, and so I, I picked one that I believe is fairly accurate that absolutely should bother you. There's a statistic out there that says that worldwide, 17.8 million children have lost both parents. That alone should hurt our hearts to hear. And when you hear statistics like this, and maybe you've heard them before, maybe you saw them on a commercial or something, it can be overwhelming. And it should bother us. It absolutely should. Like, I don't understand that. It, this should bother us. But there's something we need to understand. There's something that we need to remember, and that's this, that there are far more Christians in the world today than there are children's needing home, children needing homes. There are far more Christians in the world today than children needing homes. Far more. In fact, here's where I want to go today. Here, here's what I want to keep coming back to, and I'm going to keep saying it, because I believe that this is true, that, that, that the church is God's plan A to help children who are in need. I believe that. I believe that the church is God's plan. So often we, we, we say, well, there's probably somebody better equipped to do that than us. When it, when it comes to, to this, I really believe from what I read in Scripture, and we're going to hit some of those today, that the church is God's plan A to help children who are in need. In James chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means this. And so, so you, you read that, you pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father. That, that, okay, we better, we better pay attention to what this says. It says, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. To me, this verse goes right along with passages of Scripture that talk about faith and action, faith and works going hand in hand. You can know everything there is to know about following God. You can know all the rules and keep all the commands, but if you're not caring for orphans and widows, if you're not serving the poor, if you're not serving at all, you're missing a huge piece of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Truly, throughout Scripture, you find these references for caring for orphans and widows, caring for those in need. That's no accident. Those aren't there for us to skim over. It's important. In fact, I think we could safely say this. This idea, caring for orphans, caring for widows, caring for the poor, all of these things, they're close to the heart of God. 
And I think for a lot of us, even if we haven't acted on it, it's close to our hearts as well. If I, if I showed you pictures this morning, I'm not, I'm not going to do this, but if I showed you photos of children who were in need today, who needed a home, who needed loving parents, I think most of us would see those pictures or hear about those kids and we would feel something in our hearts and we would say, what can we do to help? And it would challenge us. We'd say, what can I do? In fact, specifically, if I put a picture up there and I told you this is Sylvia, I put a name to that face. I said, this is Sylvia. She's three months old. Her mom is in rehab and they aren't sure who her father is and she needs a foster family, not, not tomorrow, not next week, but right now. She needs to be taken care of. What I believe is I believe a significant number of you would say, I'll take her. Whatever that looks like, I'll do it. I believe that. If I showed you nine-year-old twins named Michael and Jordan, first of all, if I had nine-year-old twins, I would have named them Michael and Jordan as well. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's awesome. Like, seriously. I've always thought that people who have twins have an opportunity. Like, don't, don't waste that. Um, but if I showed you their picture and I explained that their dad is in prison and that their mom has passed away and the kids really want to stay together, you may not realize this, but sometimes that's hard. The kids want to stay together and it's hard to find a family who's willing to take them together. What I believe is I believe that a bunch of you would say, I got room. I'll take them. I believe that. You know, I believe that some of you would say, what can I do to make that happen right now? I'll do whatever it takes because those kids need a home. And part of the reason I believe that would happen, part of the reason it would be because in that situation, I would have given you names and stories and faces that go with those names and stories. Because things like this become real when you attach a name, when you attach a face, when you attach a story to it. And if you want to see what this looks like, I really do challenge you. I put it in your bulletin uh, insert there. Um, there's this website, and it's up on the screen as well, adoptuskids.org. This is, this is real. This is real deal. These are kids that are, um, need to be adopted. And you can go on there, you can search in, in Virginia or the whole country and, and see these kids. And if you don't want to cry, don't do it. Because they're so cute and you just, but then you think, you're looking at these kids, you know, what cute kids? They don't have a home. And it'll break your heart. It'll break your heart. But the truth is, all 400,000 of those kids we talked about earlier who in the U.S. foster care system have faces and names and stories. Every single one of them. If we don't know them, if we don't see them, if we're not exposed to this information, we may not feel like we have uh, an orphan problem or a foster care problem or things like that in this country uh, because we don't hear about it so often and it, it, it becomes kind of out of sight, out of mind, and we don't necessarily think about it, but these kids need us to remember them and to care about them. Think about it in this way. If you, if you consider some of the biggest problems facing the world today, some of the, some of the big problems faced even just in our country or in our community, I, I, put, I put this list together and it's kind of it's negative, but, but these are some of the issues. Broken families, fatherlessness, divorce, poverty, substance abuse, incarceration, homelessness, domestic abuse, gang violence, racism, teenage pregnancy, human trafficking, and the list could go on and on. When you think about a list like that, who do you think pays the highest price for these issues? It's kids. It's kids. Kids didn't cause those problems, and kids don't have the ability to solve those problems, but they, in most cases, pay the highest price for those problems. Broken families, fatherlessness, divorce, poverty, substance. I mean, you look down the list and you say, yeah, I can see where that would be affecting kids pretty strongly. Kids absorb a lot of hurt and pain 
in those problems. And too often that pain and that hurt get forgotten or go unnoticed. But we, we the church, have the opportunity to change that, to begin that change, to, to stand up, to not forget those kids. Remember, I believe the church is God's plan A to help children who are in need. Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4 says this, Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. When we read verses like those, and in this moment while we're talking about all these kids that have all these needs, and it breaks our hearts, and we sit in our seats here today, and and I'd say a lot of us will tell ourselves, yeah, I really should do something about this. Or even say, I can do something about this, or we need to do something about this. And the truth is, some of you, I mean, there'll be about 200 people that come through here today. Somebody's probably going to get hyped up and say, I'm going to start fostering. I'm going to adopt a whole family of kids that need to be adopted. And, and, it, and it's great if, if it's hitting you in the heart, if it's stirring something in you. And I don't want to discourage that. But you'll come to realize it's a huge undertaking and a long process to be able to foster. And it's expensive and includes a lot of red tape to adopt. And we're busy and we have our own kids and jobs and finances are already tight. And before we know it, what happens is we, we were passionate in this moment and God stirred something in us in this moment. But before we know it, it's out of sight and out of mind again. And I point that out to you and to myself because I want us to quit letting that happen. I want us to stop letting ourselves get passionate about something and then so quickly let it slip away. Because I think we do that uh, in more areas than, than just when it comes to what we talked about here on Sunday mornings, but it definitely happens here on Sunday mornings. I can't tell you how many times people say, man, that was really, I, I really learned a lot and I really want to do this. And, then, and I do the same thing. You get passionate, you say, I'm going to make this change. And then a few days later, that change hasn't taken. It's like regular New Year's resolution issues. You say, I'm going to, I'm going to exercise every single day. And by January 2nd, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to sleep in. And we do that. We get passionate about things. And God plants these seeds in us, and we're like, yes, we're going to do something about this. And a few days later, it's gone. We need to stop doing that. The truth is not everybody is going to be passionate about these kids and this issue. But if the fact that there are so many kids out there who need a home, if that stirs something in you, first of all, don't ignore it. And secondly, don't let that passion fade away by tomorrow. Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6 says this, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. That's how God's described here. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families, and he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. My, my favorite part of that, I love that. God places the lonely in families. It's a beautiful idea, and it can apply to a lot of situations beyond just kids who need a family, but lonely is exactly what those kids are. And God places the lonely in families. I, I believe that, that there are a lot of kids all over the country and even all over the world that, that are praying to God, God, please give me a family. Give me someone to love me. Give me a place to belong in. And if that thought doesn't break your heart a little bit, I don't know what will. And from what I know about God, from what I read about him in Scripture, the, that idea that there are kids that need a family, that has to break his heart as well. But God is a God who answers prayers, and, and, and God is a God who, who, what I read here, places the lonely in families. And the truth is, a lot of us, myself included, as we think about an idea like this, as we talk about this, it actually can be a little bit uncomfortable, because we're, we're just really busy people. 
And so we think, I know that I'm supposed to care, but I'm just not called to foster or adopt. That's just not me. It just wouldn't work. And we have reasons, and we even might have good reasons. The truth is, most of us that would think that today, they would say, listen, I'm just not called to foster or adopt. The truth is, you're probably right. A lot of us probably aren't called to do that, but some absolutely are and don't realize it. So if you're assuming that, that fostering or adopting is not something you're called to, before you make that decision, stop and pray. The truth is, Anything we're doing before we make a decision or say this is not something I'm going to be able to do, we need to stop and ask God and just pray, you know, something like, God, would you have me be involved? Would you have me think longer about this? Would you have me do something? Is there something that my family can do to be a blessing to a child who's in need? Here's what I believe. First of all, I believe that there are some of you who assume you're not called to this or equipped for this, to foster or to adopt. And I believe that some of those same people, are, are God could do amazing things through, could really use you in that way. And even if you're not, there are a lot of other ways that you and I, that we can support and serve and care for the orphan, for children, even if it doesn't mean we're fostering or adopting. I have friends from, from different parts of my life. You know, I know some, sometimes people bash on social media and Facebook, and I've even taken some shots at it from here. Um, but one of the cool things is you you're able to keep up with, with friends and family from different areas and different parts of your life, different stages of your life all at the same time. And so you're reading through your feed, and here's a friend from college, and here's a friend from high school, and here's somebody from where you used to work. And you're keeping up with all of them at once. And I have these friends from different parts of my life who foster now or who have fostered or who have adopted or even fostered to eventually adopt and adopted the kids that they had been fostering. And here's what I've never heard from them. I've never heard any of them regret it, any of it. And in several cases, they would have probably said, we're just not the kind of people who adopt, or we're just not the kind of people who foster, and yet God has used them in amazing ways to impact the lives of these kids. And in some cases, it's gone really poorly, and they've had their own hearts broken, um, and, and they've connected with these kids, and then the kids went back. And, 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 but, but they still never say, you know what, we shouldn't have done this. To them, it, it was worth it. And God may, in fact, have a plan to use you in an amazing way to impact the lives of kids who are lonely, kids who need a family, kids who need to know that someone cares about them. It's a huge responsibility. It's a huge undertaking, but it's a huge blessing for the child, and the truth is it's a huge blessing for you as well. In fact, here's what I think. I think if you take a child into your home and love that child like your own, I think that you may never be more like God than that moment. And here's why I say that, because if you're a follower of Jesus, that's exactly what God did for you. We were all spiritual orphans separated from God by our sin. And because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, what is it that God did? He adopted us into his family. God gave us his name, and, and we're no longer our own, but we are part of his family. He's our father, and we are his children, and Scripture's full of that imagery, that terminology. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you're baptized into him, when you follow Jesus, you're adopted into the family. And it's not because you're, you're good and it's not because you deserve it. It's because God is good and he delights in drawing you into his family. It's the goodness of God. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of salvation. It's why Jesus came, that you and I, that we might be adopted into the family of God. And if we do this with the orphan, if, if we foster, if we adopt, or if we choose to support others who God has called to foster or adopt, what we're really doing is inviting someone into our family to show them the very love 
that God showed us. And really, that's what we're supposed to be doing anyway. If, if, if we who understand what God did for us aren't sharing that information and that love with other people who need to know it, we're not doing what we're called to do. And so that's exactly what you'd be doing in that situation. And I said something very important a second ago. I included those of us who choose to support others who God has called to foster or adopt. Don't miss that. Because that's a huge part of this. I said earlier, it can be overwhelming to take on fostering or adopting. It can be expensive to take those things on. There's a huge need for people who are willing to come along beside those who feel called to foster or adopt and to help them prepare, help them financially, help them with encouragement, help them by praying for them. And if we do those things, if we foster or adopt or support those who do, then we are really reflecting God's love for us onto other people. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. To bring us into his family. It's not something that, that God does reluctantly. It's not something that God does begrudgingly. It's something that God does willingly, and it gives him great pleasure. And I believe that when we do the same for kids or support those who are willing to do that, it will bring us great pleasure as well. But again, that's not the reason to do it. We do it because these kids need homes. They need someone to love them. Now, what does this come down to? Well, one thing I would never want to do is, is guilt someone to, into taking on something like fostering or adopting. That, that is not the goal. But if God has ever stirred this idea in you, or this thought in you, or if he's doing so today, that's a great thing. You shouldn't ignore those moments where God moves in you. That's something to pay attention to. Because I do believe that the church is God's plan A in this and that we are the church. But it's not something to do out of guilt. It's something to do out of love. But if the Holy Spirit leads you to consider these things and you say, yes, I want you to know two things. I want you to make you two promises. And these don't come from my experience because this is not something that I have taken on at this point in my life as of yet. Although just working on this idea has certainly stirred me up about it. You know, Stacy and I have actually had conversations this week where we're like, all right, how can we make our house bigger? Because that would be like the biggest thing. But these come from those people who have been in the trenches serving God and these kids in this way. These are two promises that they would, I think, make you. One, one is this. It, would be harder, it, it will be harder than you can imagine. And some of you have been through this. Some of you have, have adopted or, or have taken in foster. Some of you may have even grown up in foster care or been adopted yourselves. It'll be one of the most difficult things you ever do. There will be complications and ton of, tons of tears, and it won't just be the kids who have tons of tears. It'll be you too. And if you have your own biological kids, that's another level of complication here. And so you need to know it'll be harder than anything you can imagine. But, but the second thing is just as true. The child is worth it. Every child is worth it. All of us can't do everything, but I believe that all of us can do something, and that if it helps one child know love and maybe even come to know the love of God, then it's worth it. It's worth it. Some of us can foster, some can adopt, and the rest can support. There really is no fourth option here. And so if you want some specifics today, I'll give you some things you can do, some challenges, if you will. So many of you responded so well when we did our, our blue card uh, ridiculous Faith Challenges two weeks ago, and I'm going to hit those one more time here at the end of the service, but so many of you responded so well, I feel like I'm just going to keep challenging you and see how far we can take this. 
Um, so here's some challenges. These are, these, are, these are just some things legitimately that any of you can do. Even if you choose not to foster or adopt, these are things we can all do and should do. The first one is this. If you have influence, speak on behalf of orphans and kids in need. I'll tell you something, I, I thought about this idea and I, I don't really consider myself a person who has a lot of influence and yet today across three services, I'll talk about orphans to about 200 people. If you have influence among five or 500 or 5,000 and you can share with them about the fact that there are 400,000 kids in foster care in the U.S., that's something a lot of people don't know. A lot of you didn't know that when you walked in today. You don't have to be an expert. I'm definitely not, but we need to speak more and care more for kids in need to keep this issue visible. The second one is help financially. I've mentioned the cost of adoption being high. Some quick research tells me that it could cost as much as $25,000 or more to complete the adoption process. Depending on how you go about it, there's a lot of different ways, but to complete an adoption process can cost $25,000. I don't know about you, but I don't just have $25,000 laying around. And my guess is a lot of families who would be amazing homes for adopted kids, my guess is in a lot of cases money is the main thing that would hold them back. The main thing that would stand between them and acting on this. And so if you're not called to adopt or called to foster, you can support someone who is. The third one, I read some stories this week. I didn't really think about this until I read some stories. But providing respite care is huge especially when it comes to fostering. You know, it can be a huge help for people who are willing to step in and take the kid or the kids for the afternoon or for a Saturday just to give those foster parents a little bit of a break. You know, some of us have our own kids, and occasionally we need a break, right? Uh, 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 those are your kids. You don't get a break. But these kids, you know, they take these kids into their home, and sometimes they're coming out of a tough situation. Sometimes they've been forcibly removed from their homes, and they don't want to be in your house, but that's... They're in your care. Sometimes those foster parents need a break. And we can be the people who say, listen, I can't foster, but I certainly could take a kid to McDonald's or for the afternoon. And the fourth thing absolutely important here is to pray and not forget. One of the things I'm trying to make clear through this whole message is that this is simply something that gets forgotten sometimes. Sometimes these kids end up being out of sight, out of mind, and and we don't think about it, but we we shouldn't let that happen. We need to pray and not forget. And if we do that, I believe God will show us the opportunities we have to act on behalf of orphans, on behalf of kids in need. You see, I don't always like to deal in what-ifs, but I I want you to what-if with me for just a moment as we close today. What if everybody who was here today gave this idea a longer thought than they have in the past? not saying you need to do something in this moment, but but give it a longer thought. And what if everybody who was here today and heard this message decided that they were going to do one of three things, foster, adopt, or support those who choose to foster or adopt? See, like I said, there really isn't, to me, a fourth option. You could choose D, do nothing, but there's no good reason to do that. You may not be called to foster, adopt. Those are huge, but, but the truth is all of us can support those who are called to do that. We, as small a number as we are, could make a huge impact in the lives of kids in our community and beyond. We could begin to lighten the load of the foster care system. We could cut into the waiting list for kids who need to be adopted. We could lighten the load for the families who take on these important roles. 
but I said I don't always like to deal in what ifs, so I'd rather make them, instead of what ifs, I'd rather make them why nots. Why not consider fostering? Why not consider adopting? Why not support anyone who fosters and adopts? This is at the very heart of God, so there's no good reason not to. And the truth is, you know, if you make a difference in the life of a child, you may not change the world, but you'll change his or her world. And to me, that makes it worthwhile. I believe that the church is God's plan A for helping kids in need. And I believe that that starts with us because we're the church. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you continue to challenge us. And I pray that we wouldn't shy away from those challenges. God, we, we want to and need to care about the things that you so clearly care about. So help us to not let these kids be forgotten. Help us to do our part, whatever that looks like for us. And God, if, you, if you've called us to take that big step, to, to look into fostering or adopting, I pray that we would listen. God, if, if we can be a support to that, I pray that you would show each one of us Give us the drive to follow through in being that kind of a support because, God, these kids, they need to know love. They need to know your love, and we can share that with them. Now, so often we, we do things and we say things and we have these feelings and, and we mean well and we have good intentions. I pray that, that, that we wouldn't leave it at good intentions, but that we would follow through when we feel you moving in us, when we, we feel you stirring <clears throat> a passion or a drive or a decision in us, that we would follow through. Help us to be a light to these kids. So badly need to know that there's a God who loves them. They need a family to care for them. God, help us not to just want to make a difference. Help us to make a difference. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.